We acknowledge and pay respect to the land and the traditional families of the Yugambeh region of southeast Queensland and to their elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to remind listeners that we are recording on stolen land and sovereignty has never been ceded. Welcome to Revolting Women. This is an independent podcast brought to you by four independent women. It's time to rethink, rebel and revolt. So, what do you think about the patriarchy? Do you want to destroy it? guys welcome back thanks for all the support on the first two episodes mm-hmm. we are so stoked with all of the feedback and the response from you guys from our first two episodes we yeah thank you so much guys um today we will be talking about the sexualization of young girls and the movie cuties and everything it got right in this episode we're going to go through and we're going to give you a rundown of what the movie was about um, and then also talk about the cultural influence within the movie as well and talk about how that was sort of ignored with the whole backlash of the movie. Um, and then we're also going to talk about the difference between the sexualization of young boys to young girls in that, that kind of age when um, girls and boys are going through puberty and how it's so different for the experiences of girls and boys. And then we're also going to talk about bringing accountability and awareness to perpetrators as well and um, with the sexualization of young girls and not blaming victims. And then, of course, bringing it back to patriarchy. So basically, Cuties was a movie that was released on Netflix in September 2020, and it came out with Sundance in January because it is a foreign film. It's a French film about a Senegalese 11-year-old immigrant in France, and the description of the movie says, Amy, an 11-year-old girl, joins a group of dancers named the Cuties at school and rapidly grows aware of her flourishing femininity upsetting her mother and her values in the process. So basically this movie came out on Netflix and it received a lot of backlash on social media, which actually sparked a change.org petition that gained 600,000 signatures to urge people to cancel their Netflix subscriptions because the movie was promoting pedophilia, basically, or this is what the... um, people were saying that the movie and the advertisements and the contents was promoting pedophilia and sex trafficking and the sexualization of young girls and that if people watched it they were you know sexual predators and that this was not a movie that should be available on Netflix for people to watch. It was also heavily critiqued by QAnon followers and was sparked a lot on social media by them and it kind of linked into the save the children hashtag that was circulating a lot at the time especially last year. We'd also want to say that we really recommend that everyone goes and watches this before forming an opinion on it because that was another huge thing that came out about it was people were simply not watching the movie and criticizing it and taking Mm. what these few people were saying about it on the internet out of context and we went and we watched it last year and we also just went back and rewatched it last night and it's insane how much your perspective changes when 
you're not influenced from what people are saying about Mm. it on the internet. And because the first time I went in personally and watched it, I was looking out for these specific scenes to see how I would feel about them. But last night when we went and rewatched it, there's actually this beautiful story coming of age story yeah Yeah. this coming of age story and a big also it's a very cultural movie as well because her family is this muslim family living in france and uh, so the different cultures clashing together and all of that was really interesting to watch with a free mind um well a fresh mind watching it with a new perspective and it's really it's honestly such a beautiful movie and very What's the word? Um, cinematic, c- cinematic masterpiece. Yes, a cinematic <laughs> masterpiece. It's beautiful. Yeah. Like, it's one of probably the most amazing and just... Um, yeah, the French make a lot of good quality films and I think that from our Western perspective as well, it's easier, easier I think, for people to kind of just look at it and kind of write it off and not want to, you know, watch it because I hear people make comments about stupid things like subtitles and things like that. So it made it easier for people to not engage with the material as well and I think it's interesting what you said about the first watch looking out for these things because I was looking out for things to kind of be concerned about as well because of seeing so many people talking about it and then when watching it I completely lost thought of all of those things because I was just so amazed by this beautiful story that was being told and it was such an accurate portrayal of what it's like to grow up and be a young 11 year old girl like there was nothing that they were doing that I wasn't doing or that my friends weren't doing when we were in that age group. Mm, For sure. I I agree with that. I found that although I don't relate to the the cultural story behind it and different cultures um, intermingling, just the – the that period of your life when you're becoming a woman you're noticing different um trying to dress differently and um seeing how adults act and I just remember so many girls acting like that when I was younger and and dancing that way and yeah dressing that way and acting out and talking about sex and all of those kind of things but of course you didn't talk to it to adults because you know you're awkward. You're, it was taboo. Yeah, it was very taboo. And um, and parents weren't coming to you to talk about those things either because mm. they felt just as awkward about that period of your life as you did. And so it was under the rug, these conversations, most of that period of your time. Yeah, and I feel as though we would always find things out and learn from the internet and from our friends. And that's what the movie really showed because it was from the perspective of Amy. So you could see the pain that she felt, the excitement she felt, the nerves that she was feeling and just being influenced by her friends and trying to fit in, I suppose, because girls can be quite cruel when you're that age and when you're young, you're just trying to figure out what you can do best to fit in and to not gain full attention but just to be accepted and a lot of the time that comes down to sexualizing your own body and disconnecting from it and trying to show off parts of yourself that people deem sexy and people deem attractive. Yeah, and you're also expected to be a a grown-up and that's what's shown in her story as well is at home she has to take care of her younger brother. She's doing these Mm. things that an adult would be doing and she's treated like an adult in some aspects and yet these kids at school are calling her a kid because she's got a prepubescent body and so there's these, these two conflicting identities of her being a child and her becoming an adult and 
that's how um, that really shows within yeah. the movie as well and how they conflict with one another. Yeah, Amy didn't know that what she was doing was wrong because people around her and the older girls were doing the exact same thing. It's not like she thought that what she was doing could potentially put her in danger either. She just was mimicking the behaviours of everyone else around her and that is not her fault and I think that's why we want to unpack it in that way as well because it's not her fault that she did that and she wanted to try and portray this kind of narrative for herself because she was just trying to learn and figure it all out with her friends. Yeah, and it's definitely a reflection of the society that she was living in at that point. And so much of the blame is put onto these young girls for being overly sexual when they live in a sexualized society Mm -hmm. and a society that um, mainly sexualizes women as well. So they feel as though there's like a disconnect from their bodies because they constantly see them and the other women around them being sexualized. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for them to grow up and start to um, yeah, go through puberty and make that connection that their body is theirs and it's not for something or someone else to sexualise. Especially when their parents aren't actually guiding them in the direction where they know that's right and wrong because they're all figuring it out at school and your parents aren't around you when you're in school and when you're after school and when you're hanging with your friends. Like It's a very private vulnerable time for you because you don't want to open up to your parents you'll be condemned and you'll get in trouble and you just won't feel as though you are heard and I think that we can all relate to that when we were younger as well yeah definitely and I think as um, most parents try to shelter Mm. children from these aspects of society and life and that can be really detrimental to like a girl's growth or a, a young person's growth because when they're sheltered from these things they will always find them <laughs> if yeah. they live in that society. So yeah. if you're not teaching the children or the young people around you that this is the society that we live in, once they do realise it, they're not going to know how to navigate their life. Cuties was written and directed by a French woman named Maimouna de Curie and she is a black woman. And when this movie received all of its backlash on Netflix and social media, she was a little bit shocked because it was well received by Sundance and the um, film academies and everything like that because it is a beautiful film and it's a, it's a really good watch. So she was a bit, I think it was came a bit as a bit of a surprise to her with the reactions from the general public once it was released on Netflix in September. And she had a lot of interviews and everything afterwards because the backlash came out. And when I have a quote here from Time magazine that did a profile on the controversy and the movie as well. Dukuri explains that she is telling the story through Amy's eyes, challenging the audience by showing that hypersexualization of children has become normalized. Cuties explores how girls become women, sometimes sooner than they should, forced into adulthood by the society they live in and the media they consume. When I was young, I also saw a lot of injustices around me, lived by women, says Dukuri. We're used to saying that women in other cultures are oppressed, but the question that I had when making the film was, isn't the objectification of a woman's body that we often see in Western culture another kind of oppression? And the article also talks about the extensive research that she put into the film. She spent 18 months doing research, interviewing hundreds of young preteen girls, gathering their stories and experiences of being exposed to adult material and sexualized images on social media. Most of the scenes in the movie, she said, were derived from anecdotes from these girls when she was doing her research. And 
she also had a team of psychologists that were working with all of the um, young girl actors who were the main characters in the show because she knew that what they were doing was hypersexualized and over and that was the focus and she wanted to make sure that they would all be okay during the it's filming amazing. process which is so good because we see all of these child stars that are all constantly thrown yeah. into the into the spotlight and they just never receive any support and you can see how it affects them in their later years so she did that to make sure that these girls were not going to have any lasting mental health impacts from being pushed into the spotlight and you know being a part of this process itself. She has another quote that this is a direct quote from her where she says, I realise that the people who have started this controversy haven't yet seen the film. Netflix has apologised to the public and to myself. I'm hoping that these people will watch the movie now that it's out. I'm eager to see their reaction when they realise that we're both on the same side of this fight against young children's mm -hmm. hypersexualization. So I think it's really important to listen to um, the directors and the writers who are a part of creating this, especially when it created so much controversy like it did. So obviously this movie is written by a black woman and directed by a black woman and the cast is all predominantly black. So this isn't a, you know, a whitewashed movie like we see mostly coming from Hollywood and especially Netflix as well. Like this is a French foreign film with a cast of people of colour. And I think it's important to note, especially in the context of 2020, when we saw such an uprising of the Black Lives Matter movement and all of these people online talking about how we need to amplify black voices, listen to black stories and highlight these people's lives and these experiences. And then for Cuties to then come out in September, which was only you know a couple of months after the George Floyd protest started yeah. for people to then just completely shut down and censor a black person's work like a black woman's work that she's created and it is censorship because people were saying to not even watch the movie like they weren't telling people to watch it and see for yourselves they were saying cancel your Netflix subscriptions don't watch the movie because this is inappropriate and it shouldn't be on our screens definitely and even um we all saw the same people that were posting those black squares or yeah, exactly. trying to fight for the Black Lives Matter movement. They then went on to post um, like scrutiny about this yeah. movie without even watching it. Mm. And they couldn't even make the connection make the between connection. the two. Yep. They just wanted to, again... Jump on the bandwagon. Yeah. Just see all of this stuff online and kind of jump on the bandwagon and not really engage with the subject material. And I know this is a bit touchy to talk about, but I think it's important to make these connections because if we talk about, you know, doing anti-racist work, this definitely falls under it. Yeah, and it also goes back to even something you were saying in the first episode, Jazzy, about how we have our white norms and anything that mm. comes out of that from different cultures is the outers, outer yeah. and we will not accept that if it's any different. And so even just with um, how we view dancing in a sense, I've seen all throughout Instagram um, a lot of black women replying to posts about this and I've seen a common thread where they will say um, that in within their culture and growing up that they don't have uh, they don't see the relationship between dancing and sexual uh, sexualization. So twerking and grinding is has been villainized by white cultures when a lot of black communities will see it as a form of expression and a way to move their body and um, a part of their culture as yeah, well. Yeah, exactly. Like it's 100%. cultural, and because when you're white, 
and you don't have any culture, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if it's not that appealing to you, you just have, the first instinct is to crit- criticize it and think it's weird or other or different. Mm, exactly. And so, and we also would like to link this back in at the same time, the reason this movie got so much criticism is because of um, the uprising of the Save the Children movement. Mm, yeah. And so the Save the Children movement sort of came out um, as a sort of back end of the QAnon conspiracy. So if you don't know what QAnon is, um, or simply Q, it's a disproven and discredited far-right conspiracy theory alleging that a secret cable of Satan-worshipping cannibalistic pedophiles is running a global child sex trafficking ring and plotted against former US President Donald Trump while he was in office, according to um, US prosecutors QAnon is commonly called a cult Um, so you're probably wondering why we're bringing up this conspiracy theory but a lot of white far-right extremist groups aren't called terrorist groups and they're not taken as seriously as for say I don't know ISIS and Al-Qaeda and and all of that but a lot of the um, far-right extremist attacks that have happened in and a lot of the violence against BIPOC as well, ha- which have happened, especially during the time of Donald Trump in presidency, have been led by this conspiracy group. But the government always fails to call it terrorism and linking mm. it back to these conspiracy theories. But it has been manifesting on the internet for years now. And yeah. it's really important to keep up to date with these things and call them for what they are as well. Mm. And so the fact that this QAnon conspiracy was linked to the Save the Children movement, which was pretty much... Um, um, so the Save the Children movement was believing that the Democrats were and the cabal of Satanists and the elites were hiding, um, were trafficking children and stealing them off the streets. And so they targeted these pretty much middle-class white women in um, America at first who were mums to start the Save the the Children movement to pretty much be like, let's save the children, they're yeah. getting trafficked. It, it, came, it came up all online a lot in the past year. Like, it's been around for a while and these theories, it first sort of, if you've heard of the term Pizzagate, it first came up in um, the 2016 election for Donald Trump and his rising and that's when Pizzagate, which is about, you know, with involving the same things of this secret elite pedophile ring where all of these kids are underground and these rich people then take their blood to then become youthful or something like it sounds so ridiculous when but you're saying it out loud this. but it, it, it goes it's so deep like so i deep don't want to encourage people to research it but just do like a light research no, on this the most perfect thing to listen to there's this really good podcast called q anon anonymous and mm, they go yep. through the whole history of um, Pizzagate to QAnon to yeah. 8chan and all of those different um, conspiracies. Of it. Yeah. yeah, they go and into lots of different other kind of conspiracies yeah. and debunk them as well. So they're probably sure. more. But yeah, anyway, at the start of the Save the Children movement, which you can just look up before yourselves, that coincided with the release of Cuties, and so there was already this big child trafficking. There was all these people, these regular people who just scroll on Facebook and you know kind of. Um, grab onto these ideologies and will pick onto these things and then sort of create their foundations of their beliefs on it. We're already seeing all of this information like for months before this movie yeah. came out and then all of a sudden this movie comes out which Netflix really inappropriately um, represented okay. in their marketing and advertising which the director and writer, Mae Munan, 
um, came out and condemned. She said that this was not like how it should have been. And if you look at all the French advertisements, they're actually really different to the Netflix American ones as well. Because um, they knew, they knew that it would spark a bit of a controversy, get people watching the movie, get it talked about and things like that to try and maybe market it a bit differently. But obviously these QAnon followers and these conspiracy theorists kind of the save the children yeah the save well. the children is they didn't necessarily know that the save the children um movement was linked to QAnon conspiracies and so a lot of them were just these outraged uneducated mums mm. um, it was just a huge coinciding of all of these events that then like mm. created the perfect you know kind perfect of thing for people to, to say look it. this is happening and now it's on netflix like yeah. what are you guys gonna fucking do about it yeah let's boycott the shit out of netflix yeah let's boycott it but it's important to note that because QAnon is this is written off as this conspiracy but really it's this far-right extremist group that is incredibly fascist very sexist and racist as well and because this movie was directed by a black woman it makes sense to why it got so much backlash because if you even look at how many movies have been released over the years with little girls dancing on TV, especially like the little moms, yeah, and um, what did you say? Mean girls. Oh yeah, mean girls as well. Little sister. So many movies get released where little girls are moving their bodies. Even Dance at Stedford's, which we could all probably relate to watching. You know, our siblings or ourselves doing dancing steps. Like when white girls are dancing this way, it's not um, hypersexualized in the same light. And that's important to note because I think there was a lot of racist connotations towards this movie and the um, anger towards it as well. So we're going to start talking about the sexualization of young girls and how that all links into this Cuties movie and more so about victim blaming and how this whole situation that went down with the film and the controversy, controversy surrounding it was very victim blaming and putting the responsibility onto young girls and what they do and wear and dance like and all of those things and how they act when the responsibility needs to be on the perpetrators of this violence. Just a trigger warning for the next segment as we discuss topics such as sexual objectification, aggressive porn, the hypersexualization of young girls, eating disorders in children, and how porn impacts how we view ourselves in adolescence. If this content brings up any unwanted feelings, please contact a mental health care service. You could find some in the show notes or reach out to us as our DMs are always open for you. So the so if you're looking at terms of when a child can consent um, or when a person can consent if the age is 16 plus to 18 when they're considered an adult, anything younger than that, they are a child. And I think that really needs to be made clear in these situations that when you, when you talk about these movies um, providing even content for pedophiles to look at, instead of seeing these kids as sexual um or providing sexual content you need to actually put the victim the blame off those kids what they're wearing how they're moving their bodies onto the actual perpetrators because the conversation around this movie was never centered around actual pedophiles themselves looking into why they view these things the way they do and um how wrong that is it was all the blame was on the director for providing this content when realistically 
kids move like this all the time and um, girls are going to be doing these things in the culture that we live in where they are wearing supposedly too little clothing or um, dancing in a provocatively sexual way. Um, And we just want to make it clear that there is nothing sexual about a child's body in any angle or clothes or form, including mm. dancing. And that really needs to be made clear. Yeah. And if someone is viewing that child in a sexual manner for how they're acting, that is wrong. That is pedophilia and the blame needs to go onto that person for viewing them that way. If you watch this movie and view them in a sexual way, that is wrong. Yeah, I guess when you look back on where this comes from as well, um, you can look directly at rape culture and you see uh, within rape culture how all the blame is put onto the victims rather than the perpetrator. And I think, yeah, a lot of the socialization into this comes from porn and the stats around um, how young people are when they view porn is wild. Um, There was a 2008 report into youth exposure to pornography carried out in the US. It found that from a pool of 5,000 undergraduate students, 93% of boys and 62% of girls had been exposed to internet porn before the age of 18. The report also found that boys were significantly more likely to view online pornography more often and view more types of images. There was this quote relating um, directly to people um, when they view porn and are constantly viewing different types of porn they then take this subconsciously in their mind and then constantly view women this way or view the world in this um different storyline that porn portrays um childline reports receiving calls from young people every day worried about how unlimited access to online pornography is influencing their perceptions of sex One young teenage boy told them, I'm always watching porn and some of it is quite aggressive. I didn't think it was affecting me at first, but I've started to view girls a bit differently recently and it's making me worried. Um, And yeah, that boy has a point. While watching um, popular porn films depicting scenes of sexual violence, people unwittingly normalise that behaviour. And it can come back to then viewing these young girls doing these sexualized movements or sexualized dance moves and then them relating this to the porn that they've watched or these um, sexualized movies that they've watched and then viewing it um, in this particular way. Yeah so I was doing a little bit of research into Pornhub because that is the most accessible porn site found on the internet and Teen por- the teen porn category is top site researchers for the last seven years. Teen porn category. So that's young girls and young boys. There's not really much conversation when it comes to it as well because there is an addiction that falls into that as well. Porn addiction is a real thing and porn is not a real thing. 53% of boys and 34% of girls reported believing porn was a realistic depiction of sex. And that already is disgusting and scary because sex is not like that in real life porn is not actually always ethical either especially Pornhub and children can google whatever they want to and find anything that they want on that and when they're sexualizing and watching young children on it they're thinking that that's okay and normal so we need to start thinking about these sites and blaming the sites as well because it's not the parents fault it's not the kids fault it's these websites and these internet searches that are able to give access to children to find 
anything that they want online. Yeah, and it also ties back into this whole movie as well because the thing is is we're cr- uh, critiquing the hypersexualization of young girls but also not having a conversation about young boys watching this type of porn as well and it's the boys will, at that same age, like 11 years old, will be watching this type of porn and starting to view girls in this sexualized manner. And then that projects onto girls where girls think that they have to live up to what these porn stars look like and how these porn stars act. And so that it goes back into our last episode of even internalized misogyny where men project this idea of what women should be like and then women internalize that by either judging other women for not doing it or doing it or end up trying to be that image of what men want them to be mm, yeah, exactly. and so that is a hypersexualized version of themselves it's being that hot porn star that will yeah. get be overly sexual and move their body in a certain way and if we're not having if parents aren't having conversation with their kids from that age from probably 10 years old then they're going to be doing it behind closed doors and the thing is is you don't see what boys do because it's behind closed bo- doors in their bedrooms but you see what girls do because they display it through their yeah. clothes. They display it through their dance moves they do with their friends. Yeah. There's a scene within Cuties that I – it could be a potential spoiler for people who haven't seen the movie. But there is a scene towards the end of the movie where um, she takes a nude photograph of herself and then it gets spread around the school. And <clears throat> in my – high schools that I went to, my two high schools, this happened all the time. People were constantly sending nudes of other people without their consent. And the point that the way that this links into the Cuties movie and the hypersexualization of young women and girls is that we are seeing through when boys and men within our school and within our classes and our, our breaks and our lunchtimes and the people we're interacting with are seeing these versions of women and what sex looks like and what femininity looks like and what womanhood looks like, which is completely also cisgendered and binary view of gender, if um, which links back to the gender binary as well. And they're seeing these things and then they think that that's what women should do and how they act. And then women start to separate themselves from their body. Even what you're referring to in that photo, when she does take it, she was then the one that was ostracised. She yeah. was then the one that was kicked out of her dance group. She was um, by her mother called a whore, called yeah. disgusting, and all of these other things just because she took that photo. But nobody looks at the bigger picture. And I find that in real life it's the same thing. Mm. You're talking about all these um, photos that were sent around when you were in high school, mm. how many of the girls were then called sluts and were yeah. then called disgusting because they had sent these around? Not all, all the boys containing child pornography yeah. on their phone. Everyone, um, it was an open invitation for an open season on women's bodies and yep. to be critiquing their physical appearance and their bodies and, you know, looking at their bodies, which are theirs and they don't belong to you. And there's a really great analogy that um, – Soraya Chamali talks about in her book Rage Becomes Her which we've referenced before where she talks about a male student in a class or a seminar that she was teaching comparing the comparing or asking or posing the question what's the difference between me sending a photo of a naked woman versus me sending a photo of a toaster and I think that that sort of puts it into perspective with how these young men see women's bodies as something that's you know has a purpose has a has a specific purpose and then can be just given out to everyone as if it doesn't belong to someone and doesn't have autonomy. Yeah, well, in that quote, 
a lot of them say that there is not, no difference between yeah. sending a photo of a woman's body and a toaster. Yeah. But there is because the woman is a human being. Mm. And when these young girls and teenagers are being bullied and ostracised and shamed for their body, that is already opening up so many mental illnesses and disorders that come with it. It's been estimated that 40% of nine-year-olds have already dieted and there are reports that four and five-year-olds feel the need to diet. It's interesting that you've brought that statistic up because you say down to four to five-year-olds are starting to diet and starting to critique their body. That is insane. And I think a lot of adults would probably be really, really shocked by that because they think that kids are still kids these days, but they're not. With the access to social media and technology and stuff these days, it's complete. the world around us is changing. And while with the Cuties movie, it must seem insane that these 11-year-olds are sexualizing their body in such a manner but it's starting from when you're four years old when children are mimicking adult behaviors as well this is what when it kind of can tie into the hypersexualization of young children because like young boys are seeing you know adults acting in a certain way and then they think that that's how their young girlfriends should act and like things like that and not taking into account the um i guess natural growth and progression of finding your sexuality and things like that as well but i want to know like specifically where we would draw the line with this like where do we draw the line between I guess exposing young girls and young women too early and how that can link into control over women and control over young girls and their bodies versus protecting them and actually realizing like when certain things are inappropriate and not um yeah definitely I think that's a really interesting question and it's something that we probably all have different views on is like how do you monitor kids or how do you monitor everyone on Mm. the internet when there's black markets when there's so many different ways to access these sites and access these things and I think it's not an individual problem or um, a parent's problem or a community's problem it is these big corporations profiting so much off of these off of sex sex sells so that's what they're going to profit so capitalism is a huge part to play in this Mm. and these companies do not want to take their sites down. They do not want to monitor their sites yeah, because they it don't costs, want to restrict it. Yeah, because, they don't want to stri- mm. restrict it because they make so much money from it. And why yeah. would you? Why would they want to restrict something that's not directly impacting them? They're just going to let it flow, and until something like really bad happens or really critical happens, they don't take any. Um, What's the word? They don't Action. take any accountability. Yeah, they don't take any accountability for the things that they have online or the things that people can find from their sites. And I think that's where the problem really lies. Um, it's like a much bigger problem instead of like telling parents to monitor their internet or telling um people they shouldn't be giving their kids a mobile phone when in today mm. everyone's gonna have a mobile yeah. phone. The problem is we need to figure out a way to stop these sites or to ensure that these sites stop making profits. In the United States, this is the whole thing when it comes to capitalism as well, because in the United States alone, the porn industry makes $16.9 billion each year. Wow. So why would they want to shut down their businesses and corporations when they're making so much fucking money? especially when a lot of that is pure profit because most women in the industry are underpaid or you know trafficked and this goes back to cuties and the QAnon movement and this whole focus Mm -hmm. on female trafficking and sex trafficking 
sex trafficking and child trafficking because well they're putting all the accountability on this one movie where they're not looking at the real who is doing this yeah literally who is doing this who is treating these young children like this who is hypersexualizing them who is trafficking them like why is no one talking about those sorts of issues instead of talking about these young girls fucking put your anger somewhere else because it's easier because for so long we've just blamed women for these things Mm -hmm. because it's Mm -hmm. the easy option it's the scapegoat option for these companies and these people who perpetrate these violent acts they get to use women as the scapegoat once again and control them alongside with it which benefits the patriarchy yeah well said yeah and there's a big emphasis especially across cultures with controlling women especially with their sexuality you will even find it in islamic cultures as well sorry muslim cultures as well where um women are expected to control their sexuality for Mm. from men as well and and it crosses cultures too we think it's also sometimes is just some of these extreme um other cultures that hold these views but it actually is in our culture too and transpires through our culture so much and the director talked about that she Mm -hmm. said like i was making this movie and i was shocked to see that people weren't making the connection between, you know, the the culture difference and how this is in Western culture as well, if not so much more. like It's normalised in our culture more, but also swept under the rug because I don't think a lot of parents want to believe that their kids are doing these things yeah. and um, being, uh, being exposed to these type of things. Yeah. But they are, and we've all experienced it. Obviously, from all the research she did, all of those girls were being exposed yeah. to it. And we can't just keep ignoring yeah. it. And Ignoring um, women's you can problems. Have, you can have a debate about whether or not um, kids should be exposed to this and what's um, considered right and wrong with dance moves and all of that. But at the end of the day, the conversation just needs to be started in a more ethical light towards protecting girls to begin with and putting men accountable second. I mean, first, sorry. Yeah. Even when we were younger and young girls, we were watching music videos of Shakira shaking her hips and mm. all of these women dressing up in leotards and dre- like dancing around stages and, you know, being sexy and sexy cells, like you were saying before. And when you're a young girl, you don't know the difference. You just want to mimic what they're doing because you're so inspired by them because they are the male gaze. But what's important to say as well is that they're not sexy unless you're seeing them as sexy. Like yeah. they, they're doing what they want to do because they enjoy it and it's fun, but mm. they're not doing it to be sexy. Like that's not what they're trying to accomplish, but they, it gets confused with their you know actions and motivations because they're children. Like yeah. they're not meant to they're have innocent. this. Yeah, they're innocent. Yeah. Like this is the whole thing of what they're it comes back down to. Yeah, but um, ki- no, because kids do things out of innocence and imitation. They don't know mm. that that's sexual. We know it's sexual because we are adults who have mm. sex, but they are kids. They don't know what that means. And yeah. it's just the same with when they touch their bodies as well. They do it out of ex- curiosity and exploration, not because they think it's sexual and they don't understand what it means to be sexual. If an adult watches this and sees it as sexual, it's their problem, not the kids. Yeah, yeah I, I totally agree. And there's like from porn and even you can see it in this movie, just that disconnection to our bodies mm. because we have never been exposed 
like we're always shamed for masturbating or shamed for touching ourselves or shamed for dancing when it's something that we like and it's something that we do and if you're constantly shamed for that then you are going to have that disconnect from it because you don't want to be shamed your whole life you want to fit in and you want to um, be a part of the society that you're growing up in and I even find I've witnessed it a lot of times out in public um even just little kids in public when they go and they go to touch themselves down there especially little girls they're always um reprimanded by their parents they're like don't touch down there get your hand away from there from such a young age and the statistics and a lot of um research to prove this that women from a young age are taught to not touch their bodies and so they go into adulthood not knowing their own body and so that disconnection starts from a very young age whereas boys are praised for it yeah especially with masturbation as well exactly like it's something to be you know bragged about and to be boasting about Mm. and it is like exactly i remember it happening so much in high school the difference between how um boys spoke about masturbation they do it so openly in front of you and then they would ask you back like oh do you touch yourself and you would almost just like be like no 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 like you would go straight into that shame Shame, because if you did say yes it would be shameful and they would judge you for that yeah and it goes back to even just from that young age talking about that stuff as well like those conversations start from a very very young age Mm -hmm. the same age group as that movie was filmed and if there was more education about it and education about how harmful you know these platforms like RedTube and Pornhub and all of these things are then women wouldn't and people like both men and women wouldn't be going to these sites to watch these porns like there is ethical porn out there and there is ethical sites where it is where there are actual depictions of what real life sex and sexual relations are and consent and everything like that and it's important to say that a lot like I wish I had more statistics on it but uh, most of the porn that is on Pornhub is unethical like majority of it Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I think we're definitely not saying here that porn is bad and don't watch porn because I'm pretty sure most of us in here watch porn. But it's the way you watch it and it's um, what kind of porn that you do watch and the way you understand it as well. So having that knowledge that... Just educating yourself Yeah, like educating that this is not real life and you're not going to have sex exactly like these people are. It's just a stimulant to get you a little bit horny. And when you're a teenage girl, you always kind of expect the guy to kind of know what he's doing because it's expected that they've watched the porn they know what they're doing they're meant to do it all but they don't know shit either yeah (laughs) like they're not educated on either because their parents probably haven't spoken about it there is not much sex education that happens in school I got a woman giving birth in year seven on a video and that was it I have nothing else to learn from Exactly. And then when you (laughs) go into the lunch, yeah, when you go into like lunchtime, people just talk about sex as though it's this like, just, it's just a topic to talk about. But for so many people, it's such as like a, it's a personal thing and it's meant to be consensual between two people. And it gets so lost in translation that Mm. consent is by both parties. If it's not a fuck yes, it's a fuck no. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you, like, it's so lost in translation as well that like sexuality is amazing and it is beautiful and these times that you spend so intimate with other people are amazing but the way that we're conditioned to see them or the way that we are brought up about them you can experience so much shame 
and guilt and feel so horrible about yourself for wanting to experience these experiences. And open and communication between both parties when you are in those sexual situations. Yeah, because when we're you're all together. learning and you yeah. can learn together and it's not like one person has to know more than the other and things yeah. like that. It's just like, yeah. Because everyone's about. different and porn's different because we're not like the porn stars <laughs> yeah. We aren't porn stars, but we can all have sex. It's just about consenting and enjoying it. Don't have right. sex. Because you get, get pregnant, pregnant and, and die. die. Don't have sex. That's literally <laughs> <laughs> and just another way to sort of link it back to patriarchy. Um, obviously, there was a sexual liberation that happened in the later half of the 20th century. And um, as soon as these older feminists had won their sexual liberation, patriarchy was reframed as sexual availability for men. And I think that's important to notice because during um, we saw the Me Too movement afterwards where we saw a lot of male entitlement um, come out where once the patriarchal structures of cultural production were about women's sexuality in film and art and literature now this disp- depiction of it is often hypersexualized and explicit um, and you can see how that was portrayed in the cuties movie as well so you're saying so after the sexual liberation that happened in the 70s which allowed women to actually um, express themselves and ex- express their sexuality the patriarchy mm. took this and was like, no, now the men have like autonomy or they can claim to own this. Now we can, now we can openly um, say that we want to control women's sexuality yeah. instead yeah. of just wanting it, but not yeah. being able to say it. But now they want to be sexual. Now so they let's want to do be it. sexual. So it's fine. Yeah, <laughs> let's it's just exploit them has, even more. Which has been, which we owe like a lot to the sexual liberation movement because it was the beginning of, you know, options for women for contraceptive and stuff, but also at the same time, like, we actually were watching a really cool documentary about this the other day on Netflix. <laughs> I fucking can't remember what it's called. But when they were talking about how the, the sexual, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, we had one. no, but the sexual revol- the sexual revolution was all a part of that seventies hippie movement, yeah. and yeah. um, it had been going on for years with black people. Like black people were at the helm of this kind of yeah. like free love movement, and yeah. it all came from like the Rastafarians and all of that. But then in the seventies white people just jumped onto it and started doing all the protesting and stuff. And we're like, yeah, we want to be a part of that too. Yeah, Yeah, definitely. And so that's also the origins, I guess. It's called Grass is Greener, guys. The the documentary is called Grass (laughs) is Greener. I don't know if that's really relevant. Netflix. Woo, we love Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Like we hate big corporations, but Netflix can stay. (laughs) Yeah, we didn't hashtag cancel it. (laughs) I think it's really important as well when it comes to black directors and black women directors that we need to support these movies and we need to watch them and actually rate them and review them online because it's so important that these women are actually getting an, getting the opportunity to start creating pieces of art when 90% of the film industry is run by men Definitely. and most of it are w- like it's white men as well. And just to hone in on that as well, like the main important part of letting a black woman director and writer produce this film is so that we can hear their stories mm-hmm. and see their struggles as well. Yep. It's not just so they get into a higher power and yep. they can now ex- exploit other people. It's so that we can understand what they go through 
um, and not just what white people go through. Yeah. The response from people from movies created by people of colour are astounding because white people are not the only humans in the world and the film industry kind of just whitewashes everything and that's not the truth. That's not how the community – that's not how the world works. It's Black History Month so you should watch this movie and amplify and watch black movies all year round. And also donate your money Mm -hmm. to black charities. Pay your reparations. Well, thanks so much for listening to this episode, guys. We um, really wanted to talk about this, bring light to this issue because it was something we were talking about months ago. And um, it's important to bring these old topics up. Like, I'm sure there's going to be a few more that mm. come around that we want to talk about that seems a bit like, oh, wasn't that ages ago or that's yeah. not really relevant anymore because it's always relevant. And sometimes with these movements that get white, I mean, washed away by a bigger movement, for example, this. Um, movie got drowned out by the Save the Children movement because it came in, bombarded it, trashed it, and then where the fuck's the Save the Children movement now? Like oh, I haven't yeah. heard fucking shit from yeah. it. And watch Cuties. Yeah. We're, we're still here. We're yeah. t- still telling you to watch yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. And so <laughs> it's important to bring these things back up mm-hmm. because sometimes they disappear for no reason when then these beautiful forms of art and yeah. expression and they bring light to these important people's issues. Lives. Like, this is mm. real fucking shit. Like, yeah. this is real shit that people should be watching and understanding. And I hope that um, everyone that listened to this episode today will d- go away and watch this film. And then, if you still want to have conversation and discourse with us about it, come to us. But we mm. want you to watch this movie and take. Don't go in with any preconceptions about it of what we said or what you see or saw online. Just go in and watch it and see how it makes you feel and listen to the story that's being told because it is an amazing story and definitely yeah. one worth listening to. Yeah. Anyway, we hope you have a good week. We'll see you next week for our next episode. Thank um, you so much for the support we've received already. 100%. And leave us reviews. We really like um, reading them but we'd yeah. also like some feedback too if, um, just the way we um, the structure of our podcasts um, co- um, topics you'd like to hear us talk about um, anything like that please come to us we're really open to feedback and criticism um, but we love the positive feedback too so don't say that <laughs> <laughs> but anyway have a good week bye thank you for listening to this episode of Revolting Women we hope you were able to learn at least one new thing from us today Please subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a review as it helps more people find us. You can follow us on Instagram at Revolting Women Podcast or click the link in our show notes. You will be able to find the sources we referred to in this episode today. If you have any feedback, questions, episode topics, want to open up a discussion or come onto the podcast, we would love to hear from you. We would like to take this moment to also state that we are not the creators nor pioneers of this information and our aim is to build upon the pre-existing teachings that have informed us. We say thank you to the Black and Indigenous women of colour, LGBTQIA communities, activists and trailblazing feminists that have fought so we could thrive. If this episode has brought up any triggering feelings, please know that our DMs are open to you. You can contact mental health services such as Headspace, which is a free Australian youth-based service at 1800 650 890 or Lifeline at 131 114. Remove the stigma and reach out. See you next episode. What's wrong with that?